What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to you, Alice Albrecht, who's the founder of Neural Cipher Labs. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks. It's going great. Awesome. I'm very excited to learn more about what you're working on. For, for people that haven't heard of Neural Cipher Labs, can you kind of share what it is and what you're working on? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so... Neural Cypher Labs is named Labs for a reason. Um, I am starting a series of projects. The first one um, I'll talk about in a second. But uh, overall, I'm really interested in this idea of helping people be more creative. I've worked a lot in sort of machine learning and strategy and I've seen how uh, automation plays out. This will be a really important human characteristic. Um, And I think one of my for the neural cipher bit of it, one of my strong feelings is that we need to design products for people's brains, not working against them. So my background is in cognitive neuroscience. And so I sort of brought those two things together to build tools for people using their brain instead of working against it to be more creative. So what does it look like to work with the brain versus working? Well, I guess examples of each. What is an example of like, what are things in the world that like potentially work against the brain? And then can you kind of share some examples or some of your thoughts on building products to work with the brain? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So when I say things work against the brain, what I'm really saying is that there are characteristics of our minds that we can't really access. So one of them I'm uh, focused on is attention. So we can build tons of products, and I'm sure you've experienced these, where you sort of are hyper-focused, but maybe not on the thing you wanted to be focused on. So people feel distracted, but in reality, they're really, really focused on something. Um, So these are all ways that we can hack into our minds because we didn't evolve for the world that we live in today, basically. Um, So the tools that I'm really interested in building are ones that sort of facilitate or augment humans in a way that works side by side. So instead of uh, capturing attention and trying to keep it there, rather, how can we use attention to help us do other things? So um, a lot of the work that I'm working on right now is around how do we look at the information we're attending to. So that could be like listening to this podcast, if you hear an interesting bit, or um, reading material online. And how do we store that information in a better way? So instead of making people focus all the time, which seems a bit unnatural, and that's sort of the working against, the working for is letting their mind wander, letting them have that time to be creative and using what was attended and what wasn't for them. Got it. This is super fascinating. Like this whole, this realm, this is something that I think a lot of people work on on like a very small level I think like 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 a one to two level versus you know something like that goes a little deeper I'm curious for you 
um, kind of how did you decide to work on this problem? Um, I guess in other words, like what's the origin of the story for Neural Cipher Labs? Yeah, so um, I've always had a really deep interest in humans and cognition. I did my PhD in it and spent a lot of time uh, in this area. So it's a really deep interest of mine personally. And then when I thought about starting my own company and being an entrepreneur, I really wanted to build something that was going to help people in a meaningful way. So given my experience, again, in machine learning and the data space, I felt like if I could build a tool using all of these technologies that we've developed, which are amazing, that would come to a benefit that I feel like would actually allow people to live sort of a more fulfilled life, that would be the place that I would want to devote all of my energy to. So um, it's really sort of personal interest and experience and seeing where there is a need in the world. And you mentioned when we first started recording that you are kind of exploring this space, potentially doing multiple projects. I'm curious, how do you think about which projects to work on? Um, or does each project solve different problems or different solutions? Or like, I guess, how are you approaching um, the next like year or two or 10 or, you know, 50 of building, you know, in this category? Absolutely. Yeah. So the framework that I use is really trying to identify where the problem, the main pain points are, which I think a lot of people do when they're developing products. Um, the way that I've done this is a little bit different. So I'm looking at ways in which I can see that if we had some sort of intervention, so um, eventually I think this will be a brain computer interface. I'll put that out there. Um, so in the areas where we could really make a major impact, can we scope things down in that sense? And then with this driving force behind creativity, what I did was look at what are the components that make people creative? So one of them is mind wandering, another is divergent thinking. There are a few others, but I, for, to start, I'm focusing on those as the ones that we can really enable and uh, sort of wrap our hands around. Um, and so that's one piece of the framework, seeing you know, what the issues are and then what are the components of creativity we could address. And then the other is this really staged approach, which I've seen again and again, where I need to build something small to start a proof of concept and collecting data and then building from there to make sure that I'm validating this without going full bore into a solution right away. And so I see these as experiments and seeing which ones work, which ones get traction, and then going from there. So you mentioned brain machine interface, which I think is like, I, I, I'm following this space like fairly closely. I think it's very okay. interesting. Um, but, as, but as someone who um, doesn't understand actually how any of it works, I, I, you know, I'm like not technical on that front. I'm curious to ask you, like when you look at brain machine interface and like kind of that industry, based on your education, your experience, you obviously have been very deep into this. Do you see that and see like a logical way that it kind of all works? Or is it a thing that you know is possible and you just know you'll kind of figure out? Or I guess like how do you approach something so new and scary for a lot of people, but obviously yeah. there's an industry building here, you know, that's going to be meaningful in the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there will be a really meaningful industry here. And I think there are meaningful barriers that we have to address. Um, we being, you know, the consumers and the people creating these products. I think one of the biggest barriers is that people feel uncomfortable in wearing something on their head. So a lot of these brain computer interfaces, um, I'm talking about the ones outside your brain, um, not boring holes into your head. That's a whole different thing. Um, but I do see uh, an avenue for those to be more commercially viable in the next, say, five years. If we could get... Um, some advancement in the electrotypes. So electrodes are recording activity from your brain, um, electrical activity usually. Um, if we can 
work on the form factor there so that it's more palatable for people to wear and not feel self-conscious. I think that's one major thing that we need to accomplish. The other is having a use case that people really need. Um, it's an excellent source of data. And as somebody who loves you know, humans and their data, um, we have wearables already. So people wear Fitbits, um, they're really comfortable with that. There is uh, this barrier around your brain data. It feels really much more personal. And I think we really have to address that with, you know, um, in all domains, increasing security around your data. What are, how are we gonna use it? We're not gonna sell it, things like that. Um, so I think a lot of the barriers are actually in adoption. I don't think there are that many technical barriers for these being viable today. And there are a few out there already. And one more question on that front. Um, I mean, I do agree. It, it, the concept is like, I think even for early adopters, it's kind of like, oh, like brain, you know? Um, and I actually just, it wasn't a brain machine interface, but I, I just used um, this company called Levels, which tracks your blood glucose, and I and I and I um, continuously. So I I put a machine in my body for like two weeks, and it, it was just like a little prick. You know, it's not like right. this thing, but like I felt like I took a little step closer mm -hmm. to adopting this this concept. Curious for you, like, what do you think it will take for the public the you know early adopters all the way down to the laggard or all the way across to the laggards um of like the, the innovation adoption curve to like be okay with this what what things need to happen um and like how do you kind of approach building in an industry that is still being figured out if it's good or not by a lot of people even though obviously it's good it's just an education um thing yeah, and the last comment you made is really interesting. The obviously it's good piece. So um, I think like any technology, this can be used for not good things. And so I think there is uh, an increased onus on people building this technology right now to think about what are the potential risks. So um, we're starting to see a lot of this actually in the parallel of it, you know machine learning product development, um, and that's much more public at this point. But thinking about the ethics involved around what kind of data are you collecting? Are, is it staying on the device? Can you use things like federated learning to make sure it stays with the individual? Um, we're seeing lots of advancements in, in terms of what people are comfortable with. Um, in terms of their data. So I think that is one of the biggest things to focus on is the people building this need to be really, really thoughtful about what are the ethical implications? How could this data be used for, um, at, let's say evil, but you know, ways in which we wouldn't expect right now, because I think that's entirely possible. And so I think that is the thing to focus on for this sort of getting over that adoption curve is really going to be focused on the data. Again, the form factor, but I think we can sort of move past that as, as more people feel comfortable seeing other people wear it. We have a really well-worn path there. Um, but the more we can have companies that have these ethical standards and are being public about them and are talking about them, I think we'll get people to sort of buy into that and then they will feel comfortable. And then, you know, for the people that, you know, are late adopters to technology, that's okay. But I think um, they actually may be the folks that we have use cases for that are really interesting. So I think that'll be the way too, when we can try to say, um, you know, people who may be hesitant about technology, but really could benefit from some sort of cognitive augmentation. Let's get that in there for them. And I'm curious, um, so, you're obviously starting this up, you're trying different things. Um, what's an average day look like for you? Are you like doing super technical stuff? Are you recruiting a team? Are you fundra like fundraising? Like what's a day in the life of someone, you know, working on, you know, Neural Cypher Labs, the founder of Neural Cypher Labs? Yeah, I think it's a bit of everything. It's been a really great experience to sort of get my hands in here and do this as a solo founder. Um, so I wear many, many hats. 
throughout each day. I have my little workstation with my hardware. I've got a lot of software projects going. Um, and then I'm also doing a lot of things like this. So getting the word out and talking to people. Um, and then in terms of fundraising, I haven't kicked off fundraising yet, but I will shortly. So that's been an entire process in and of itself, as I'm sure you're aware. So um, I would say actually a little bit of everything right now. I've got some really good advisors and folks working with me that are helping sort of carry some of that load as well. And if you were to kind of look out, you know, right now it's early stages, but let's say everything kind of works out, right? Um, and and it, you, you realize what you want this to be in five, 10 years, what does that look like? Or I guess in other words, what's the big vision here and kind of what direction are you rowing in every day? Yeah, I think the biggest vision for me is seeing um, a suite of these types of products out there, um, maybe using the same hardware, but uh, being able to really spread the impact of this. That's one of the most important things for me. So I'm very interested in being able to produce this in a way that it's equitable. So it's available for all kinds of people that it's disposable even at some point. So my big vision is that we can build something that has um, sort of multiple use cases that are ingrained in the way people work today and the way they're gonna work in the future. So knowledge workers helping them be more creative. Um, I'm really excited about the opportunities in education, um, lifelong learners, myself included, so I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for NeuroCypher Labs, say five, 10 years out, to be um, you know, having a few core products that have this impact in these different areas, and then having a, a product that really is focused on augmenting people um, in a really equitable way. And so that we're not just augmenting some people and not others. And to make that happen, you'll obviously need some help, right? It's a long journey um, and, and everybody needs help along the way. Luckily, we have people listening that are here to help that, you know, you know, know the questions coming. And the question is, how can the Forward Thinking Founders community help you? Are you hiring? I know you mentioned your fundraising soon, but are you, are you looking for intros? Are you looking for, you know, potential users, testers? How can the Forward Thinking Founders community assist? Absolutely. I appreciate it too. Um, so right now I'm really focused on um, finding people to interview. So early adopters would be great. People that are really interested in this space or are really interested actually in things like note-taking apps and whatnot, productivity tools. Um, and then I am looking for potential co-founders and early employees. So people that are really excited about this space, I would love to talk to. And then absolutely, if people have fundraising sources and and uh, avenues that are aligned with the mission of the company. I'm absolutely excited to talk to them as well. And then uh, for the last question, if someone's you know interested in, on any of those fronts, how can they get in touch? Do you have a website? Can they find you on social media? Can they email you? How can someone reach out? Absolutely. Um, website is coming up. Uh, you can email me um, and it's alicealbrecht at gmail.com right now. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at alicealbrecht. All right. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you're sitting there, you're just saying, Matt, I want more. How can I get more? Well, luckily, you can get it at Forward Thinking City. Forward Thinking City is a community for the Forward Thinking Network, right? And we have multiple different aspects of the city. One, we have AMAs. Some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast, like Jonathan Barkle, Kristen Anderson, Austin Allred, come back and they do AMAs with the residents. You can ask them any question that you want, right? You can ask them about fundraising the early days how they got their customers we do these every single week with another you know really great founder that has been on the podcast 
Additionally, um, we have our pitch battles, right? So if you want feedback on your pitch and the opportunity to potentially pitch in front of VCs and talk one-on-one -on -one with venture capitalists, this is where to do it. These are monthly pitch battles. So if you don't get in the first time, try again, right? The goal is to improve and get feedback to eventually one, raise, uh, get, get into the room with the VCs, two, raise capital, three, so you can get back to your company and building a great startup, building a great business. The last thing I'll mention is that if you were kind of interested in just community, we have our coffee hours and happy hours where you can meet other residents, learn about what they're working on, talk about social things, anything you want. This is a city for founders. It is for investors. It is for startup enthusiasts. It's for anyone that loves startups. So if you're interested in what I'm saying, Go to forwardthinking.city and join the city for $15 a month. Um, you know, the way, the reason I charge is because I want to be able to do this full time and bring as much value as I possibly can. And I think it's well worth the value. You can ask any of the current residents and they will attest to that. So go to forwardthinking.city, join the city, and you'll see immediately the, the next AMA, the next pitch battle, the next event. And I hope to see you there. Forwardthinking.city. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.